0: We are just 15 days away from the NBA trade deadline, and I think most of us here in Sacramento feel that the Kings have to make some sort of move. While General Manager Monty McNair is working the phones, we're all working the trade machines. And on today's Locked on Kings podcast, I've put together five deals that I think the Sacramento Kings should strongly consider. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On King. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC10 News. And I have gone up and down and up and down this season just like the Sacramento Kings themselves have gone up and down and up and down this season. But for me, it's been about how I think the Sacramento Kings are going to approach this trade deadline. A, a, a little over a month ago, I was telling you I don't think the Kings are going to be in a position to make a major move and I wouldn't be surprised at all is if they just ride this group out over the course of the season. Now at that point, Sacramento wa- was was doing pretty well for themselves, right? They got off to a little bit of a rocky start and kind of settled into that six-game win streak that they had. So at that point, I was thinking, okay, maybe this team still has its issues. They, have at that point, had lost a handful of uh, of games by blowouts. They'd only lost to the Pelicans, I think twice at that point, the Rockets twice at that point. So there were some bad losses in there. And we saw the issues with this roster the same way many of us saw the issues with this roster going back to the offseason and, and during the playoffs against the Warriors uh, last season. So we knew there, there were issues, but it just felt like the way this team was constructed, plus the assets that the Kings wanted to trade and their overall low value in comparison to some of the other teams in the league and for the Kings looking for an upgrade, it's, it's tough to ask for an upgrade for uh, if, if Harrison Barnes and, 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 and uh, Davion Mitchell and, and um Kevin Herter are the biggest pieces that you're willing to give up. If you're not willing to make uh Keegan Murray available, which of course the Sacramento Kings are not, I just thought it made the most sense for the Sacramento Kings to head into the off season again, with the group that they have, give them another playoff series at least together. They make the postseason and we'll see how they do. Maybe they're a first round exit again. Maybe they get a different matchup and they actually make it out of the first round or a second round exit. And then Monty can make a decision next summer when he has to pay Malik Monk and, and gets a little more playoff context under his belt. Well, that's changed, right? Because since that point, Sacramento's continued this roller coaster. They've had clear deficiencies. They've had clear, I mean, it's been clear which players are stepping up and which players are providing what Mike Brown and the Kings need and which players just aren't cutting it, right? Which ones continue to struggle, which ones just aren't fitting. Uh, And at this point, now the question has become, do the Sacramento Kings make a move and look for a kind of a big name or a player to come in and, and become a piece of this Sacramento Kings core. You could definitely say core three and Fox Sabonis and Murray, but maybe core four, if you want to include Malik monk in there. And I think Malik does deserve to be talked about in the core conversation with how important he is. So do you look for another piece to just add to your core, a, a guy that's not necessarily a star? Cause again, you're not going to get a star for the, uh, the, the, the pieces that you're willing to give up unless you're, going crazy with with future draft picks, which I don't think Monty McNair necessarily would do. Do you look for that kind of bigger name piece or do you look at the edges of your roster? Do you look at your rotation? Do you look past the top six, maybe top seven established guys that you have and try to find pieces to kind of fill in those gaps? Or do you look to upgrade your starting lineup, but upgrade them not with another like big punch piece, but upgrade them with role-playing starters, players that can come in and and fill that starting two-guard role that Kevin Herter has or fill that starting four or three role that Harrison Barnes has and and be more consistent in that spot without being a focal point of the offense uh, like some of those other bigger names might command. All these questions I've been asking myself and discussing here on the Lockdown Kings podcast. And when it comes to that last question, I still don't necessarily have an answer to it. I think Monty is going to make that decision based off of the deals that are available out there. But we've heard the Kings connected to a ton of names, right? I put together a list with the help of uh, Chris Watkins from Sacktown Sports, uh, or rather, yeah, yeah, Sacktown Sports 1140 Radio. Chris and I were sitting courtside before the... um, before the Kings game the other night, the Kings and Hawks game. And we just started putting together a list of players that we've either heard the Kings connected to or players that make sense that are potentially available for the Kings to go out and get that list includes Herb Jones, Miles Bridges, Clint Capella, DeJounte Murray, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, Jeremy Grant, Bruce Brown, Matisse Thibault, Boyan Bogdanovich, Tobias Harris, Kyle Kuzma, McCall Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, DeMar DeRozan, and Marcus Smart. And I'm sure there are names that we forgot, but there are a lot of names out there that the Kings have rumored to be interested in or players that make sense for what the Sacramento Kings could try to be looking for. And so I decided to sift through that list and find five deals for players on that list that I think the Sacramento Kings should strongly consider. Now, to be perfectly clear, this is from the obviously Sacramento perspective. So there's going to be fans of the Washington Wizards or the Portland Trailblazers or the Brooklyn Nets or the Chicago Bulls that are going to listen to this podcast or going to be watching and going to go, there's no way my team would do that, and here's why. Now, that could be them overvaluing their assets. That also could be them making a lot of sense. I've tried to have conversations with all of our locked-on hosts to at least make sure that what I'm talking about is not completely out of the realm of possibility, to get the context of how those other teams uh, might be thinking. So I promise you there's a little bit of research here. I'm not saying that all the other... Uh, host said, yes, they would accept these deals. But these are the packages that if I were the Kings, I'd feel most comfortable offering that I think could get the job done that I would strongly consider. And let's start with the Kyle Kuzma deal. We've talked a lot about Kyle Kuzma really over the last three, four seasons, it feels like. Kuzma has just been connected to the Kings. The Kings have been interested in Kyle Kuzma. Well, here is the deal that finally brings Kyle Kuzma to Sacramento. The Kings get Kyle and they send Harrison Barnes, Davion Mitchell and two top five protected first round picks in 2026 and in 2028. Now, again, this is from my perspective of how I think the Sacramento Kings will operate. Not too long ago. I had a conversation with, uh, with Adam Armbrecht from the locked on nets podcast. And we talked about a potential trade, uh, for, for Mikhail bridges. And I, was willing to include three first-round picks in a trade for Mikael Bridges and could have been talked into four. That's because I I view Mikhail Bridges as, a one, a star, and, two, a perfect fit here in Sacramento. Kyle Kuzma, I do think, provides a lot of good for Sacramento. He's a good offensive punch. If you're replacing Harrison Barnes with Kyle Kuzma in your starting lineup and you don't do anything else, you're getting much more scoring on a consistent basis. I don't think the defense is that much worse. I don't think Harrison Barnes has been a great or even good defender at times this season. And Kyle Kuzma's not really known for his defense, but he's got the size, he's got the length, he's got the athleticism to at least hold down the position. But offensively, he makes a significantly better impact and he's going to rebound the ball a little bit more, at least, than what Harrison Barnes uh, has been rebounding for Sacramento. So it's a clear upgrade in that sense, but it's not like a Mikhail Bridges upgrade. So I am not comfortable including three first round picks in this deal. Two is the furthest that I'm willing to go. The two first round picks, and I'm putting top five protections on them, knowing full well that likely those picks don't convey or do convey that those, those, protections won't hold out but especially in the case of like the 2028 first that's 4 years down the road hopefully the Sacramento Kings are still in a window of being a good basketball team but if everything is falling apart and the Kings are looking to to move on maybe just maybe they can salvage uh, and get that pick back at the end of that deal so they're not going over the top for Kyle Kuzma now Kuzma is actually on a really really good contract and what i mean by that is he's getting paid a decent amount of money but For the next three years, his, his, uh, salary goes down by $2 million each year. So he's being paid the most that he's going to make right now. It goes down by 2 million next year. Another 2 million after that, another 2 million after that, very similar to the contract that the Sacramento Kings gave Harrison Barnes before this deal that they just gave him. He was on a four-year deal decreasing by 2 million every single year. It's one of those great contracts that, uh, Ken Cantanella, former Kings front office member, uh, got Harrison and and, uh, the, the his agent to sign. So, I like Kuzma's contract. I like Kuzma's fit. I don't like Kuzma or giving more than two first round picks for Kyle Kuzma. I am concerned a little bit about Kuzma's. One willingness and two ability to still be impactful and still put up numbers as a fourth option at best third, maybe Kuzma because he has more experience and he's been around longer than uh, than Keegan Murray has that he is immediately more of a third option and Keegan kind of drops to fourth until Keegan's ready, right? And maybe that's a year or two down the road. But he's not going to be the number one or number two guy like he is in Washington alongside Jordan Poole. He's not going to get nearly as many shots, nearly as many looks, and certainly not going to be the focal point as much as he has been in Washington. And, the, I mean, he, he played more of a role in his time with the Los Angeles Lakers, which is where he kind of started to make a name for himself. Of course, he was a very young player at that point in time, and the LeBron James takeover with the Lakers meant that he was more on the outs than he was on the inns. Kyle Kuzma is eccentric. He's a big personality. None of that stuff really, really concerns me. But there is also a part of this deal that that has to be discussed too. And that is a admission of guilt by the Sacramento Kings. Kyle Kuzma was available in free agency. The Sacramento Kings elected not to sign him. They elected to go with Harrison Barnes. Now we don't know the specifics of if they made an offer to Kuzma that Kuzma said No. Or if Kuzma was even interested in signing with the Sacramento Kings, reports suggest that he was, but we don't know the specifics of why they didn't get a deal done. We just know that they didn't get a deal done for a free agent that was out there that the Kings were reportedly connected to. They decided to go with Harrison Barnes. And now here they are trading Harrison and now two first round picks on top of that to get Kuzma when they could have just paid him this off without giving up draft compensation. Yeah, that's that might be a tough pill to swallow for some people in this case. If you can get this deal done, and if this is the best deal out there, I think Monty will swallow his pride in that sense and get this deal done. But again, the most I'm willing to to move in a Kyle Kuzma deal, and maybe it doesn't get the job done. Maybe the Wizards say no thank you and get a better offer elsewhere. I don't know. But the most I'm giving up for Kyle Kuzma in, in this trade package is Harrison Barnes, Davion Mitchell, and two first round picks, top five protected in 2026 and in 2028. And for important context, I don't think I, I I don't believe that Kevin Herder makes sense for Washington. So that's why I included Kuzma in this deal because they 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 have shooting, they have guards. I mean, of course Jordan Poole is the main guard there, so I, I think the Wizards from my perspective, I think that it makes more sense for the Wizards to go and, and take Barnes uh, Barnes instead of Herter. If they had the choice between the two, I think they would choose Barnes. I could be wrong there, but if if they came back and countered and swapped, say swap Harrison for Kevin Herter, I'm pretty sure financially the deal still works. I'm okay with that. Absolutely from the King's perspective. Again, I still have four more deals to get to here, and I'll I'll give you a little spoiler. One. The next one coming up involves Jeremy Grant and the Portland Trail Blazers, which has been another name that has floated around Sacramento uh, a lot over the past couple of seasons. I will get to that here in just a second. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is over. We're down to four teams. It's the NFC and AFC championship games, the Super Bowl right around the corner. Right now is the perfect time for you to get involved on America's number one sports book. New customers get $150 in bonus bets. guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's it. All you have to do. No, no catches, nothing. You you deposit $5. You put $5 down on whatever you want to bet on. The Niners to win the NFC Championship game. Just take the straight money line. Or you could bet on the Kings for something. Or you could bet on anything. Put $5 down. If you win, wonderful. You are already in the green, right? You get your money that you've won and you get $150 in bonus bets on top of that. If you lose, there's $150 worth of insurance policy. You take that money, you keep playing, you keep enjoying yourself, you make those $5 back and then some by enjoying their live same game parlays, or you're uh, finding cool, fun, different bets in their explore tab that they have. You can go to the Parlay Hub to build all sorts of popular parlays that other players around the world uh, are building. There's so many different and fun ways to play FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, it's time for our next deal. And of course... I highly encourage you to share your thoughts on these deals. Kings fans, you like these deals. You don't like these deals. Tell me why. If you have another deal that you want to put together, a trade package you want to put together to kind of get my feedback on it or for your fellow Kings fans' feedback on it, uh, feel free to share those. And, of course, fans of other teams that are listening that heard some of their guys being brought up. If you want to talk about why or you do or don't like the trade, hit me up with that too. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, hit me up in the comment section down below. Let's start a conversation over there. You can reach me on Twitter at Sack. You can email me at, at gmail.com. But let's talk about this second deal involving Jeremy Grant, the Kings, and the Portland Trailblazers getting together. A package that's... Almost exactly the same as my Kyle Kuzma package with one uh, slight difference. Jeremy Grant comes to the Sacramento Kings. The Blazers get Harrison Barnes. Davion Mitchell, the top five protected firsts in 2026 and 2028. And because you can't uh, swap uh, or, or trade uh, picks in, in back-to-back years, you can do a pick swap. So the Kings offer the Blazers a pick swap in 2027 meaning if the kings have a better draft pick than the blazers do at that point in time then the blazers get the better pick the kings get the worse pick so it's a little bit sweeter of a deal than the Kyle Kuzma deal i did that for for a couple of reasons number 1 i think jeremy grant even though he's on a worse contract i think he's the harder player for the sacramento kings to go out and get because his Situation in Portland, the Portland Trailblazers reportedly are are very happy with him and not as open to trading him as much as as maybe the Wizards would be for Kyle Kuzma and, and as much as some teams thought that they would be at this point after his first year signing that big deal in free agency this offseason. Now that deal is not the best, right? It's a big salary. He's being paid 27 million this year. That goes up to 29 million next year, 32 million the year after, 34 million the year after that, and then finally a 36 million dollar player option which he is more than guaranteed, I think, to exercise. He might as well do it right now. The problem is by the time he exercises that, he will be 33 years old. So you're paying a lot of money for a player that over the final years of those contract, when it's the most difficult to move and most expensive, he might not be as impactful as he is right now. So if you're the Kings, you're trying to take that problem a little bit off of the hands uh, of the Portland Trail Blazers. It makes sense from a win now perspective to go out and get Jeremy Grant. He's averaging 21 points, 3.6 rebounds this season, really good shooting splits, 46, 41, 79. 46 from the field, 41 from three-point range, 79 from the free-throw line. He's also a good defender. Jeremy Grant, absolutely an a upgrade over Harrison Barnes, right? Same thing with Kyle Kuzma. You plug Jeremy Grant into the four, move Ke- uh, Keegan Murray over to the three. You keep Kevin Herter as the two. That's the only move you make this starting lineup is better. Definitely. Short-term, definitely better. Long-term, hopefully better. This would... Potentially make any other future moves difficult for Sacramento. This would pretty much cap them out. So if you're making this move for Jeremy Grant, you're unless you're willing to move on from Jeremy or another piece of the po- uh, core in the near future, the Kings' lineup, their core is basically built and capped out at this point. And you're just hoping to bring Malik Monk back to really finish it out. Like that's that's what you're facing if you're bringing Jeremy Grant and his money in. That pick swap, I don't know if it intrigues Portland. I'm not willing to give another just first round pick outright, which Portland might counter with. I say no to that. Um, Sacramento still is giving the Blazers. I mean, Davion Mitchell, young defender, can be an impactful player, I think, uh, over in 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 Portland. I intentionally did not include Matisse Thybul in this deal. He has the right to or the ability to veto trades to, to certain markets and things like that and I'm I'm just I Matisse Dybal is a name that's been connected to the Sacramento Kings that I understand from a defensive perspective but trying to add him to this deal and make it make sense just makes it a lot more muddy and and the Kings trying to get Jeremy Grant I think is the main piece of this deal so let's just focus on that the Blazers get Davion Mitchell back and they get Harrison Barnes who is on a much better contract at least financially it's a sm- much smaller contract, let's say, and shorter contract than the Jeremy Grant deal. And on top of that, Harrison Barnes, of course, still has gas in the tank. He's he's used to working with young players, so he'll have no problem stepping in and, and working with uh, uh, Shaden Sharp and, and Scoot Henderson and all them. He's done it many, many times before. And on top of that, he still gives the Blazers a solid starting caliber player to where if they start competing, if they hit the acceleration button on their development and they start competing as early as next season, Harrison can hold down that spot. So it's not like the Kings are taking a super, super good talent and leaving the Blazers with nothing immediately. The Blazers get future draft compensation and they get a player that could potentially help them. Not as much as Jeremy Grant but a player that can more fill a role while Scoot and Shaden and those other guys and DeAndre Ayton are stepping into those primary scoring and primary leader positions that Jeremy Grant is kind of holding down right now. I don't know if the Blazers make this move. Latest reports are the Blazers aren't really too interested in moving him right now, uh, so we'll see. But if I'm Sacramento, that is a, a haul that I'm comfortable giving up for Jeremy Grant. All right, let's go to Chicago. Let's talk about Alex Caruso. Here's the deal. The Kings get Alex Caruso and they send Davion Mitchell, Colby Jones, a 2025 second round pick and a 2026 first round pick top 10 protected. Now, some Kings fans might be getting spooked immediately by seeing a 2026 first round pick included in this Alex Caruso deal. I'm telling you. The Bulls are going to be sticky with Caruso. They absolutely should. There are a lot of teams that are interested in Caruso. There are a lot of teams that love to have Caruso. And I'm telling you, the Sacramento Kings would dream of having Caruso on this roster. He provides ball handling. He can play that point guard spot, take some of that load off of uh, uh, Malik Monk a little bit. But he can guard one through three. He's just a, a really pesky defender. He can, he's very, very versatile He's good at spacing the floor. He's shooting 42% from three-point range on 4.3 attempts per game. So he's, I mean, he is uh, close to as ideal of a role player piece as the Sacramento Kings can go out and get because the Bulls are going to be so sticky with him. And latest reports are that they're they're willing to hold out and wait, despite being in kind of a sell mode with how their team isn't really working. And, and of course, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are the big names that are out there that are available. And I'm not. I'm not interested in those two for this deal. Maybe I could put together a different DeMar DeRozan deal, but I'm not really looking at that. I'm If I'm looking at anybody on the Bulls, I want Alex Caruso. The Bulls know that. The Bulls know a lot of teams know that. So they're going to be sticky. So you have to include a first-round pick, I think, to actually get this deal done this year. If the Kings aren't that desperate to get a player like Caruso, then they won't do it. But if they really, really want him, I think you have to include a pick. This one you can put a little bit of heavier protections on, in my opinion, because of the player that you're getting back, because you're not getting like a bona fide starter. Really, really, really good piece back. Not saying Caruso isn't great, but you know what I mean? On top of that, like top 10 protected in 2026, I think there's a very good chance that that pick conveys, right? Hopefully, if the Kings are in a position where their their pick is a 10th worst pick and they're in the lottery in 2026, then something's gone wrong, right? So Sacramento is expected to be in a good position in 2026. So to, 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 to lose that 2026 first round pick, it's not the end of the world to get a player like Alex Caruso. I would love this deal for Sacramento. Maybe the Bulls push for more. I don't know how much more I'm willing to, to uh to to give up if the Bulls counter with like no protections on the pick I do absolutely say yes. Uh, like I said I'm I'm avoiding Zach Levine and Demar Derozan in these talks just focusing solely on Caruso for the Bulls here they get two young pieces they get the young defender and Davion Mitchell who I do understand there might be some uh he, he he's very similar or similar to Kobe White uh, in 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 some ways Kobe White's a better player certainly a better offensive player but. Uh, I, I, had a conversation with, uh, some guys, uh, from Chicago, my, by my guy, big Dave from Chicago, not too long ago, when we initially talked about a potential Zach Levine trade. And he told me that he thinks Davion Mitchell is a little bit redundant. So Davion's not as big of an asset for him. I include Colby Jones in there because here is a, I know he's a second round pick, but a, a project, a developmental project, but he's got good size, pretty versatile, can handle the basketball can in theory defend one through three. So he gives the bulls a little bit more of a project and the bulls are in more of a position to be patient than the Sacramento Kings are in his development. So that's uh that's what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe, Maybe that makes a difference. Maybe it doesn't. But that's the package that I'm willing to give up for Alex Caruso. But I got two more deals for you. Two more. And thank you for sticking around this long. I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on these first three deals. Anxious to hear your thoughts on these final two. One is with the New Orleans Pelicans. One is with the Brooklyn Nets. And no, it's not the same Bridges deal uh, from before. I'll explain both of those deals here in just a second. After I tell you more about prize picks, I had a great night on prize picks the other night against the Atlanta Hawks. I picked five players uh, more or less than their prize picks projections. I put $25 in. I won 10 times my money. I got all five right, $250. That's just an example of the kind of money that you can make on prize picks. It is so much fun. It's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and you're not playing against pros and sharks, which is you versus the prize picks projections, right? Pick two to six players more or less in the price picks projection numbers and you can do anything from assists points a combination of points rebounds and assists if you want to go like big triple double with DeMontis Sabonis you can do a combination of uh rebounders for both centers like i took the uh the more on DeMondis, Sabonis, and Capella for rebounds in that game against the Atlanta Hawks. You can do turnovers. You can do dunks. There's so many unique, fun, and creative ways to play prize picks. Plus, with football still going on right now, you can do combinations of football and NBA for the remainder of the uh, NFL playoffs. It's such a fun way to follow uh, the NFC and AFC championship games as well as the Super Bowl action. Prize picks is amazing. And if you're considering trying to prize picks, I encourage you to do it. You will get hooked. And PricePix is giving you an opportunity right away uh, to make money because if you go to pricepix.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for uh, when you sign up, you'll get a first deposit match up to $100, meaning no matter what you put in up to $100, you will get match that money instantly. So you put in $50, price picks will give you $50 right then and there. That's $100 for you to play with. You put in a hundred price picks. will give you another hundred. There's 200 for you to price, uh to play with. And once you win, they offer safe, quick and fast withdrawal. So you can actually get that money. You don't have to wait for a long period of time. Price picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, time for these final two deals and I'm going a little heavy here. So I'll speed through these. Herb Jones, welcome to the Sacramento Kings. You talk about another dream player for the Kings to bring in. That's not going to cost them too, too much. I had no idea Herb Jones would even be available. There's been reports that the Pelicans are making him available because they're concerned about their ability to pay some of their other guys. If that is true, the Kings need to be getting all over that, right? So this deal brings Herb Jones to the Sacramento Kings. This a uh, deal is also a three-team deal and involves the Houston Rockets, who have reportedly been very interested in acquiring Harrison Barnes. So Harrison Barnes and uh, the 2025 Portland second-round pick that the Sacramento Kings own, those go to Houston. The Pelicans get Sean Tate, who is a good, young, cheap defender. They get Victor Oladipo, who is a, an expiring $9 million deal, so the money comes off the books. They get a pick swap with the Sacramento Kings in 2025, which actually could end up being a good thing for uh for the Pelicans. Both teams are expected to be good and competitive next year in 2025. So maybe the Pelicans are better than Sacramento and they're still able to swap and, and get like a late first round pick or a better late first round pick than Sacramento gets. Maybe, who knows? Uh, And the, the Pelicans also get Sacramento's 2026 first round pick, top 10 protected. And from the Rockets, they get the rights to swap picks with the Brooklyn Nets in 2027. That was part of the, uh, the the James Harden trade. So the Pelicans receive a haul mainly of picks and expiring deals, get one young player in there to say bye-bye to Herb Jones. The Rockets are willing to give up their pick swap with the Nets and are willing to give up Jay Sean Tate, who... His playing time is only going down and down and down, although I think he makes sense for the Rockets roster and what they're trying to do. there just doesn't seem to be a fit for him. So they give up a young player and they get the veteran wing that they want in Harrison Barnes. The thing is with this trade is Sacramento has to be the one to fork out a lot of these picks here because Sacramento more than anybody is getting exactly what they want, right? I'm not I don't know if Herb Jones you could say is the best player. In this trade I think that's subjective I think there's debates to be had it's between Herb and Harrison I think Herb is better overall for what the Sacramento Kings are trying to do right I think Harrison has more of an upside to be even at his age to be more of an offensive impact player just like we saw him go for 32 the other night although we know how inconsistent Harrison has been Herb Jones comes in and he is a dream wing defender I mean he's uh 6 foot 8 210 pounds has a seven foot wingspan. Shoots 70 or 39% from three point range. He fits in exactly with what the Sacramento Kings are trying to do, but the Kings have to fork out the picks in order to get the Pelicans to say, okay, fine. We're going to give up Herb Jones and and really shed that salary that we've been considering. We'll we'll pull the trigger on this and the Kings have to include the, the, the extra second rounder to Houston in order to to get them to be okay with moving on from Tate while also acquiring Harrison Barnes. Maybe in some instances, you might say this is a bit of an overpay or the Kings are including too much draft compensation in this. In reality, I know there's the pick swap in there, but in reality, the Kings are really only losing one first round pick in this deal to get Herb Jones, which to me is a absolute no-brainer done deal. I would do that. This trade, I have the most concern about actually being legit or not, because I had a conversation with both the locked on uh, rockets and locked on Pelicans podcasts about a three team deal. And Jake Madison, who's the host of the locked on Pelicans. He was the one that was most like hesitant or most against these trades because he was kind of going against what the reports were saying, basically saying that it would be hard for the Pelicans to give up Herb Jones without getting a player to help them win right now because they're trying to win right now. I understand that completely. Jay Sean Tate kind of sort of does that. Not as much as Herb Jones does, of course, right? But if they really truly want to shed salary, then Sacramento, this is the best way for Sacramento to get involved. It's a muddy, kind of convoluted, crazy deal. If it does not work, I understand it but Herb Jones would be someone that if I'm the Sacramento Kings, I'm trying to find a way to get that deal done. You probably, I mean, to make money work, you have to include either Harrison Barnes or um, or Kevin Herter in that deal. The reason why I'm involving the Rockets with Harrison Barnes is because neither of those pieces work for the Pelicans or make sense for the Pelicans. They don't need or They have CJ McCollum and, and the shooting and the guard uh, presence there. They don't need Harrison Barnes. They have the wing presence there. Maybe they just do a Harrison for Herb Jones and a draft pick straight up. Sorry, I should say Harrison and a draft pick for Herb Jones straight up. Maybe. I don't feel like they do. And it also doesn't make sense because they're not necessarily shedding salary, which is the... Or, 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 whole purpose of the report in the first place. In fact, I think they're adding salary in that deal. So the it, it, the only way I could see this trade making sense is involving a third team. And it's the same thing for this final deal, going back to the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, the, the Bridges conversation, maybe that doesn't go anywhere. Maybe the Bridges deal doesn't happen, but there's some other pieces on this Nets team, some more fringe pieces that make a lot of sense. Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal, they come to the Sacramento Kings in addition to Reggie Bullock Jr. from the Houston Rockets. Yes, the Rockets are involved in this trade as well. The Rockets just get Harrison Barnes, no extra picks. All they're sending out is expiring contracts. Reggie Bullock comes to Sacramento. He's an expiring deal. He's just a player that, I mean, if he gets playing time, he spaces the floor. He shoots. He's a, he's a wing. I don't expect him to play. The Kings would have an empty or an available roster spot. They were giving to Juan Toscano Anderson in his 10-day contract. So they have the roster spot available to take on three players while only getting rid of two. And you get some much-needed wing help. Not as good as Herb Jones. Not as good as uh, Jeremy Grant, Kyle Kuzma, right? But these are two players that can make an impact. Dorian Finney-Smith is a starting caliber wing. I mean, he's six foot seven. He's a good, great defender. Thirty-seven percent three-point shooter on five attempts per game. So offensively, he fits. Defensively, he f- he fills that mold. Royce, Royce O'Neal comes off the bench. He's more of a three. He's only six foot four, but another really, really good defender. Another wing presence just gives the Kings a little more length and athleticism, which is what this Kings team is lacking. Just wing reinforcements, essentially. And they're sending out Harrison Barnes to the Houston Rockets. What do the Nets receive in this deal? They get Davion Mitchell. They get Victor Oladipo, who's an expiring contract. The Nets are moving away from winning, at least in my mind. The big thing for the Nets here is they get their pick swap back from the Houston Rockets, that was part of that um, part of that James Harden deal. the The Rockets own basically all of Brooklyn's picks in the immediate future. Brooklyn does not have control over their picks for quite a while. So in this deal, the 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 Nets get a little bit of relief back. They get that pick swap back with Houston, meaning if their pick is worse, that they get to keep it. Um, and they don't have to, the, the Rockets won't necessarily take it away from them. OKC is also involved in that pick swap too. It's a little bit convoluted, but you can look that up. And then they get a couple of second rounders from the Kings, the 2025 Kings second and the 2025 Blazers second that Sacramento owns. There's no reason for the Kings to include a first in this deal because they're not getting that good of a piece back. I suppose if you wanted to take both those seconds out there and put in like a lottery protected first in a future year, I'd consider that if I'm the Kings, but overall I don't think you necessarily have to give up a first round pick to get this deal done. Again, could be wrong. Nets perspective. Feel free to tell me that's a terrible deal. Feel free to tell me why I'm wrong. And hey, maybe all five of these deals are rubbish. Again, it's the Sacramento perspective. But this is what I think could at least get the conversation going somewhere beyond just preliminary, hey, are you interested in the trade conversations? And these are the packages that I'm most willing to, uh, to see the Kings give up, especially when it comes to the future draft compensation. I'm no Monty McNair. I'm no Kings front office. So it might not work. It might not be good. But that's what I'm thinking at this point in time. Now I want to hear your thoughts. So hit me up and let me know. You can, Again, if you're watching on YouTube, get in the comment section down below. Hit me up on Twitter, at Matt Sack, uh, And then you can email me, Sports at gmail.com. I am heading to... Golden State. I'm heading to San Francisco tomorrow to the Chase Center to watch the Kings and the Warriors play. So I will have a post-game podcast from you or for you from the Chase Center after that game. I hope that you uh, you will join me for that. And I hope if you're going to the game, let me know. Hit me up. I'd love to say hi for you or with you, even uh, in enemy territory. I wouldn't hate it. Warrior fans out there, some of you still don't like me. I like you, kind of. I'll at least wave and smile if you give me a middle finger or something like that. But I appreciate your guys' support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.